It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and today we're going to be breaking down the most indispensable player on Texas A&M's roster not named Kellen Mond. I think every year a lot of people want to go feature in on the quarterback position, thinking it's the most indispensable. There's so many players who you need, but if you don't need have a solid quarterback, you'll be fine. But a lot of people also say that if you don't have a quarterback under center who can get you wins, you're automatically going to be screwed. So who is the guy not at that position that might be the most important player to AM's offense or their defense? Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything I can do to make this show better, I love listening to what you have to say. So give me a follow at Mr. Cole Thompson. We have the show at least three days a week. Sometimes we're lucky and we get a fourth in, so we always want your feedback on that. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content that you can find us here at Locked on Aggies on the Locked on Podcast Network. Subscribe to us on iTunes, listen to us on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen to us live here on LockedOnPodcast.com. As we said at the beginning of the show, the quarterback position might be the most indispensable position in all of sports. You look at teams and how they've built for the NFL. They're either built on having a sound defensive unit or an astounding quarterback. And 9 out of 10, the quarterback pathway is the way you see it go. You look at what Tom Brady has done. He's been the face. Now, don't get me wrong. In Super Bowl 53, I really think that that was based off the defense. The defense kind of got them the win over the Los Angeles Rams. You look at Super Bowl 54. Patrick Mahomes is the reason why they were in the Super Bowl. Again, I I think Damian Williams and Patrick Mahomes both were deserving of that Super Bowl MVP. I think that he played as big as a part as number 15 did. But the only reason that they got that far is because of Mahomes. You look at teams such as the Baltimore Ravens and the Houston Texans. They're building around their quarterback to be the success story. You look at other teams such as, I think, the Detroit Lions. The one consistency on that roster that has been detrimental has been Matthew Stafford. You look at Matt Ryan and what he's done down in Atlanta. The quarterback position just is so important to the game of football. And I think that really comes into factor with college football as well. Take a look at Alabama last year. They just lost to Mississippi State. I mean, they just lost to LSU, then went out and played with Tua Tagovailoa. He was going out for one more drive And he had a severe hip injury that not only probably cost him the Heisman, cost him the remainder of the season, and possibly cost him the number one overall pick in this year's draft. And Alabama lost in the Iron Bowl, and they finished 10-2 on the year, missing out on a New Year's Six Bowl for the first time since 2000, and I want to say it's 2010? I want to say that was the last time they weren't in a New Year's Six Bowl, or at least in one of the bigger games. They've never missed a college ball playoff. And that's because they didn't have a quarterback position. So, for AM with Kellen Mond, the biggest name on the roster is going to be number 11. He's going to be in after being a pretty much three-year starter for the Aggies. 
And a lot of people are going to be focusing in on him being the success story out at A&M. But outside of him, who are the five players on either side of the ball that are so important to the team's success? We're going to break those down. And coming in at number five for me is a rising sophomore. I think he is so important to this offense that he doesn't even know it yet. And that's Jalen Weidemeyer. Weidemeyer came in as the number three tight end last year from Dickinson, Texas. Keep that in mind. He was a rising freshman, three-star recruit, who was going to be buried on the roster by Glenn Beal and Baylor Cup. Baylor Cup suffers that injury, and because of that, it's now led to the success story of what we have with Jalen Weidemeyer. Weidemeyer, since joining the Aggies last year, Finished with 32 catches for 447 yards and 6 touchdowns. Also, keep in mind, he had 2 touchdowns against Alabama. He also only had, I think, 4 catches in that game. He had 1 catch against Clemson. One of the top scoring defenses in all of college football. And it was 1 catch and it was a touchdown. Granted, it was a 2-yard score. He still had a touchdown. Throughout their season, when he was targeted... He only saw his numbers improve. And sometimes he'd only finish with one catch, but that catch was a big one. Keep in mind, against Lamar, yeah, it was a blowout win for the Aggies, but he had one catch, 25 yards. It was a touchdown. In that Alabama game, they were down by three scores. He brought him back by 10, I think, with his two touchdowns. He had one other reception in that game. You look against South Carolina, five scores. One of them led to a touchdown. Four four catches against UTSA. One of them led to a touchdown. Mississippi State, two catches, 63 yards, including that uh, 31-yard touchdown run. Things like that make you a more well-rounded prospect. And when you have Baylor Cup coming back off an injury to where we don't really know what he's going to be, there still is no guarantee he's going to pan out and become that all-pro tight end That everyone expected him to be in 2019. But what you have is you have a security blanket. On a pretty lackadaisical offense. The offense took a bigger hit than any other position. You look at the defense. Yeah, they lost Justin Matipike. But you still have DeMarvin Leal. You still have Michael Clemens. You still have a couple of other names out there. The offense took a massive hit. With Demond Demas now coming in as probably your number two receiver behind Jamon Osmond, and you're hoping that Cameron Buckley or Caleb Chapman or maybe Musa Muhammad Jr. the third can come in and be a big time name. You need a solidified option on third and short. You need a guy who's going to be able to make a name for himself as a security blanket. And I think that on the offensive side of the ball, at least at the receiving option. Outside of another name, Weidemeyer is the only guy who can do that. You have no idea what you're getting with Buckley or Chapman because neither one of them took a step last year. And part of that was because of Anias Smith's emergence. Part of that was because of the roster with Kendrick Rogers and Courtney Davis. But now they need to step up. Demas is going to step up and he's probably not going to get redshirted because he's already, I think, one of the better receiver prospects in the SEC. Muhammad's probably going to be either a red shirt or nothing more than a fifth receiver. And then you have Osmond. And Osmond's got to be that number one target. 
But Weidemeyer, in my opinion, can be. He definitely can be, I think, the most versatile of the tight ends as a blocker, which is what Glenn Beal is going to do. And most importantly, he's going to be a receiving option, which I think is what Baylor Cup was brought in for. So you have Cup as your receiving tight end. You have Beal as your blocking tight end. But then you have Weidemeyer, who can help with the run game. Vermond or Isaiah Spiller. Or he can be a threat in the passing game. Be a security blanket. Be a guy who comes across the middle of the field, picks up first downs, maybe sees his numbers improve, and eventually starts earning that rep of being one of the top tight ends in the SEC. I definitely think you should include him on any single one of your list when describing indispensable players. So if Weidemeyer comes in at the number five spot, who comes in at 4-3-2-1? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down who they are in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you like quality content surrounding your favorite sports teams every single day? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL and highlight information surrounding your favorite sports teams when it comes to fantasy football. So go give us a like on Spotify, follow us on iTunes, and if you can't do any of that, at least give us a follow at LockedOnPodcast.com. We're talking about indispensable players outside of the quarterback position. Everyone knows Kellen Mond is going to be the most indispensable guy going into the season because of his role. Who comes in at the number four spot? Remember, number five was Jalen Weidemeyer. Number four to me is going to be the running mate in the backfield with Isaiah Spiller. When you look at Isaiah Spiller, more importantly, when you look at the running back position, that was the downfall, I think, of AM last year. Yes, Kendrick Rogers had a horrible final season with the Aggies. I would also say that Courtney Davis could not live up to the number one X receiver expectations. Yes, the offensive line was atrocious, and unfortunately, it cost A&M a lot of close wins, especially when you look at games against Alabama. They allowed too many pressures to Kellen Mond. Uh, You look at Clemson, same thing. All of that, I think, plays a major role into it. But the running back position alone, you had a struggle with Jay Sean Corbin, who was injured in Week 2. He was out for the year. Then you had multiple guys, and Jacob Cabote and Cordarian Richardson having one or two really good games, really sound performances, and then they disappeared. And they weren't seen from, they weren't heard from again, they were done. You had Isaiah Spiller in that backfield. That was it. For a while, that was the only player you had. You had Spiller, and then by the bowl game, you had Anaya Smith taking reps out of the backfield. Outside of that, you pretty much were banking on the fact that there was a chance, maybe, just maybe, one of your key players was going to come out and make an impact at a receiver position or at an offensive line or Kellen Mom was going to carry the team on his own. Isaiah Spiller, as a freshman coming from Klein Collins High School, finished with 946 yards and 10 touchdowns. He became the fourth freshman all-time to run for 100-plus yards in his first game. And he was the only running back who was consistent. And here's the thing about consistency. He still wasn't that. You look at some of his games that he produced in. You had against Clemson, 24 yards. Then the next week against Lamar, another 100-yard game. Then Auburn, 
Nine total yards. Arkansas, seven. My bad, zero yards on seven attempts. Alabama, 27. But then you look at what he did against UTSA, 217. A freshman record. 129 against South Carolina. 66 against LSU. Yeah, I mean, it's not a lot, but it's the only big-time score, and he was the only player to score in that game. When you have a quarterback under pressure, when you have a player who has to be this all-time high guy for an offense, you need someone to be a supporting cast member. And right now, I think there's three. One who will be mentioned in a little bit, Weidemeyer and Spiller. Spiller's also going to have to be a veteran presence in year two for young guys like DeAndre Jackson, Devin Acne, and a few others. He's going to have to be the face of that de- of that offense in that backfield for at least the start of the year. Because if, yeah, you can have guys on campus and yeah, they could be doing voluntary workouts, but until right now, because of everything going on with COVID, until you have them taking that next step, I don't see how you can justifiably put into words, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine at this position. You won't be. So if Spiller struggles, I think A&M struggles. I think if Spiller is a problem, A&M is a problem. So that's why I have him on this list at number four. Number three, Buddy Johnson. Buddy Johnson is the starting middle linebacker who took a big step last year. He led the team in tackles with 78. He was consistent as a run stopper, and he's a vocal leader. He's gotten the respect that a lot of people weren't sure he was going to get coming out of Dallas. And he's really stepped up in the place of both Otero Alaka and Tyrell Dodson. He's really come into his own. And on a defense, you need one pressing voice. Justin Matabike's gone, who was a two-year starter for the Aggies front seven. Well, now you need to have someone kind of step up into that role. And I think Tyree Johnson is a name to watch for because if he's a guy who, if you heard him after the Texas Bowl, he was standout, great voice to hear. Someone who was very well respected by the media, someone who was very well respected by fans of the team. I thought that he had one of his better games in that bowl game. And I think that he's been nothing short of a standout player. But... I think that when you look at the linebacker position, who can kind of control everything in Mike Elko's 4-2-5 set, he can kind of make a name for himself in coverage if he really wants to. He can be effective against the run. He can be effective against tight ends who are cutting across the middle of the field. Add all that together, I think that, yeah, while you definitely have players who are not, I would say, indispensable, but certainly are a little more easy to dissect and say, oh yeah, they they certainly mean more to the offense or the defense. I think when you look at Buddy Johnson and what he brings as a vocal leader on the defensive side of the football, it's hard to argue that he's not going to be a name to watch out for. And more importantly, he can see things in the backfield, like a running back cutting across, going in motion, seeing the slot receiver move from one side of the field to the other. And tell the front seven which way you have to lean, which way you have to go. And that could be a massive deal. I think when you look at him and Anthony Hines, who are probably going to be the two starting middle linebackers this year, Johnson all the way 
is the better fit. I think that if you had to decide who you want out on that field as one linebacker, and you can either put him in coverage or you can put him against the run, I think Johnson fits that bill a little bit more. So, Isaiah Spiller's number four, Buddy Johnson's number three. Who's number two and who's number one? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down those names in just a quick moment. Lockdown Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Number five is Jalen Weidemeyer. Number four is Isaiah Spiller. Number three is Buddy Johnson. But who is number two on our most indispensable players in A&M, not named Kellen Mond? Number two is DeMarvin Leal. Leal was a five-star recruit who was so multidimensional during his time at Judson High School in San Antonio, they didn't know where to play him. He spent time with a three-tech, he spent time with a five-tech, he spent time at a nine-tech, and that's the same kind of thing with A&M. It took a little time for them to figure out where he was best suited, and guess what? The best suiting spot for him is just on the defensive line. Last year when they went up to Ole Miss... You got to look at this. He had five total tackles in that game. The game after that against Mississippi State, six. Game after that, six. Against Georgia, five. Five against Oklahoma State, five against LSU. In games that truly mattered, he stepped up. Against UTSA, he had two tackles for losses. He had half a tackle for a loss against Oklahoma State. He had a sack against LSU. He had a tackle for a loss against LSU. He had a tackle for a loss against Georgia. Bigger opponents, Leal started to show exactly who he was going to be at the next level. Leal is just that guy. He's a big-time defensive player and a prospect who I think a lot of people are forgetting is probably the highest-rated prospect that we've seen come through A&M in a while since a guy by the name of Miles Garrett, who went number one overall. The sky is the limit, and especially with Matt Abike going to the NFL, Leal is going to have to step up and become an all-purpose defensive end, an all-purpose defensive lineman. He's going to be playing on the outside. He's going to bull rush. He's going to be a swat and swim through the middle, a gap up the middle, trying to get to the quarterback, stuffing the run. He's going to be doing all that. You're going to see so many maneuvers and and dissecting plays that allow him to be a superstar this upcoming season, that I think by the end of the year, he's a first-team All-American. That's exactly what you want in a player who comes in that highly ranked. Leal has been nothing short of impressive in a short time, and I think when you look at especially how he's already taken to the locker room from guys like Tyree Johnson and Michael Clemens coming out and giving him compliments and Bobby Brown saying that he could be the next great Aggie defensive star. That's a lot of pressure on him, but I think it's pressure that he's earned and it's pressure that he can live up to. Without a doubt, he can definitely live up to it. But the number one player, the most indispensable player this upcoming season is Jamon Osmond. Because Osmond has been the consistent target for Kellen Mond all year. Since they both came in 
to College Station. He has been Mr. Consistency. He was there alongside Christian Kirk. He was there last year with Courtney Davis and Kendrick Rogers. He was there in 2018. While Courtney and Kendrick might have been bigger known because of the game against LSU, Osmond's been the connection. Last year, he finished with 66 catches for 872 yards and five touchdowns. He's also the only returning Aggie wide receiver who caught at least 25 passes with Mond last season. There's promise at the tight end position. You have playmakers such as Demas and Acne, but Osmond is the only proven outside receiver that is going to enter the season that gives AM that contention clause. The former top 100 recruit has made an immediate impact since 2017. He finished second on the team with catches with 50 for 571 yards and three touchdowns. He was injured for four games during his sophomore year, but still managed to catch 31 passes. And last year, he finished with 66. As he enters his senior year, he ranks ninth in school history in career receptions and eight in career yards. He will never probably get to that number one receiver level. But at the same time, this is a guy who is indispensable. You can play him on the inside in the slot. So if you find success with Buckley and Demas on the outside, I think that's fine. If DeMond Demas wants to be an outside receiver, let him be. Because you have a guy who can be dispensed in the slot. If you don't have that, and you need to play Buckley inside, or you need to play Chapman inside, or you need to play even Anaya Smith in a spread formation, you have a guy with reps on the outside. You have a guy who's proven to work well with the guy who's going to be playing under center. The two have been inseparable since they were roommates in college, which is why it always seems when you look back at the film, Mon's first check line is to number two. It's always to Osbin. And that's why I think that he is the most indispensable player for AM, offensively or defensively. The defense is going to be fine this year. I think when you look at what they did in recruiting, bringing in guys like Jalen Jones and Antonio Richardson and Antonio Doyle and other big-time names, and when you look at the offense with Chris Morris coming in to maybe compete on the offensive line and Kenyon Green maybe kicking out to tackle instead, uh, you look at playmakers that they were able to get. The defense and the offense have pieces there, but the defense I think will be built to win now to where it'll be closer games than we saw in 2019. But you need a consistent target. And Weidemeyer is going to be, I think, targeted, but you're going to have to split those reps with Cup. You don't really have anyone you have to split with if you're Osmond. You can just go out there and be good. And I think that's the biggest difference maker between him and Leal being that indispensable player. Without Osmond there, who could have gone pro... This is a brand new offense for Kellen Mond with brand new weapons that he's never worked with before. That's a little scary. Instead, he has a true number one target that's going to at least give him a security and safety net either deep downfield, crossing the middle, or on a comeback route to pick up those first downs, keep drives alive, and put stats on his record while also building up Osmond's record. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And make sure you follow us at Locked on NFL with Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock. As the NFL season inches closer and closer, you're going to want to stay up to date with the two of them as they break down some of the biggest news coming out of training camp. Tomorrow, how proven 
is Jimbo Fisher. How much does he need to prove in 2020 to guarantee that he's going to live up to his 10-year contract? We'll be breaking down why he can and can't on tomorrow's episode, and we'll see you then. But remember, take him, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.